Hi friends, jumping on before the start of the episode to ask for your help. Since I started this podcast four years ago, I have been dreaming of a place for us to gather, a place where we can practice some of the things that are shared here on the podcast, a place where you and I can meet gaze to gaze, heart to heart, and a place where we can share our experiences of enriching our lives through the wisdom of the body and expanding our pleasure through the wonder of the senses. I would love to hear your voice and your vision in writing this next chapter of Come to Your Senses. Go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey to contribute your ideas, give your feedback on which topics you burn with the most passion to hear about, and let's create a beautiful sanctuary together. Schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey. I will see you there. Welcome to Come to Your Senses, the School of Sensual Living podcast. I'm your host, embodiment-based coach, Mary Lofgren. Here, we explore how to live bravely and beautifully through topics like pleasure, beauty, embodiment, femininity, art, somatic healing, mindfulness, and of course, everyday sensuality. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Come to Your Senses. I am so excited to talk to you about today's topic, which is a feminine approach to mindfulness. So I remember once hearing Tantra teacher Dawn Cartwright talk about how couples that she worked with would always come to her with this assumption that if they had to work on their sex and sexuality and connection, that there was something wrong with them, that this isn't something that should have to be worked on, that it should just be instinctual. And she made the comparison that sex is kind of like posture in our modern day and age, where if we were living primal instinctual lives as our bodies and systems were designed for, We probably wouldn't have to do things like remember to sit up straight, but because of all of the conveniences and conditioning of our modern lives, our body naturally bends to have a less than optimal posture, so we have to continually course correct, and that the same is true for our sex life. And I would say that the same is also true for our ability to be mindful and to be embodied in a state of presence. So I imagine that for our human experience, there was a time where we didn't need to practice being mindful and being present. You know, I remember seeing a New Yorker cartoon once, and it was a picture of a dog and a human sitting on a bench, and they show a little thought bubble of the human, and the human is thinking about their job and their spouse and their apartment and all these kinds of things and worries and fears and anxieties. And they're looking out at a cityscape. And then they show the thought bubble of the dog. And inside the thought bubble is just a mirror image of the cityscape. (laughs) You know, I look at animals and animals don't need to practice mindfulness, but 
with all of the advances and distractions of modern life, being able to be present is something that we must come back to and something that we must practice. And when I was writing this episode, I was sitting in a room with a couple of other people who were also working. And as I looked out over this sea of computers, I was really struck by how here we are in this miracle of nature, this miracle of a body, this human life that in our day-to-day gets reduced to how the mind can command the fingers on a keypad and that the consequence of that overemphasis on mental activity is that our frontal lobes, the processing and more cognitive linear aspect of our brain, becomes a little (laughs) top-heavy. We've got Dolly Parton-style frontal lobes, which results in an experience that yogis will know as chitta. And chitta is just another word for chatter in the mind. In fact, some define yoga itself as being freedom from this chitta. And I want to acknowledge that chitta is a Sanskrit word. My pronunciation of it is very westernized, but if you want to look more into that and research more, into that, it's spelled C-I-T-T-A. And so one of the ways that I know that I'm in this state of mind chatter is not just that experience of feeling like there are multiple tabs open in my mind, doing a lot of things, but feeling like I'm not getting enough done, but it's these kind of more deeper expressions of, I can be in line at the grocery store and I look at everyone and just see them through the lens of judgment or what they're doing wrong or what I think they should be doing differently. That's how I know that I'm in that syndrome of the conditioned mind. Another way I know that I'm being led and guided by my mind chatter is when I'm in these binaries of screw you or screw this, you know, these fight or flight responses where I'm either in rebellion hyper-rebellion or in hyper-criticism. And so if this mind chatter, this chitta, is one of the ways that we stay asleep as we move through our lives, consciousness and the practice of meditation is one of the ways that we wake up. And in working with my coaching clients, you know, this is one of the main things that people come to sensual living in search of is this ability to be in a beautiful or intimate or tender or alive experience and actually take it in and be penetrated by it. I'm sure you can relate to the experience of looking out at a sunset or looking over at your partner first thing in the morning and thinking, I should be feeling something more than this. Why is it that I feel so numb? Why is it that I can look around at this beauty and see it with my eyes, but I don't actually feel it in my body or in my heart? And I know this, I know you can resonate with this experience, not just because you're listening to a podcast called Come to Your Senses and you want to learn more about how to feel deeper in your body, but because this is part of the human experience, particularly in our modern world with so many distractions and ways in which to numb. 
And so meditation and mindfulness are ways that we can begin to melt that freeze on the exterior of our cells and our nerve endings and clear the traffic jams of worry and fear in our minds so that we can be more open, more receptive, and more receiving of our own aliveness. And yet, if you are like me, or like many other female-identified people, the world of mindfulness and meditation to you might feel like a lot of straight lines, that your round curves in body or in soul need to fit into, and you're maybe not sure where you fit in. And one of my favorite books on this topic is called Meditation Secrets for Women. It's by Camille Maureen. And Camille says, the field of meditation has not just been a man's world, but a monk's world. For thousands of years, monks have been the primary custodians of the knowledge of meditation and the creators of its techniques. So naturally, it has been designed to meet their needs. Consequently, most teachings on meditation are still shaped by attitudes that worked in the distant past for reclusive and celibate males. Most teachings just do not comprehend the female body and psyche. She goes on to describe a conversation with the Maharishi where he described modern folks and women as householders and said that householders, people who live in the world, evolve through the adventure of following their passions, daring to be attached, tolerating great intimacy, and dealing with the ever-changing structure of their relationships. The householder path is to get in touch with your inner peace and then go out and be dynamic and actively work to make the world a better place. And I just adore this book, and I can't really, really can't recommend it enough. Uh, Meditation Secrets for Women by Camille Maureen. There will be a link to the book in the show notes of this episode. And so what I really take from that is that meditation, once again, means and can mean a lot of different things. But when I think about the feeling that gets generated from meditation for myself, I think about the inside of a nut. (laughs) So if you've ever cut a macadamia nut or an almond in half, and you feel that super soft, moist, chewy center, often after meditation, that space that gets cleared in my mind and body, that's exactly how it feels. I think about images of the Buddha and how the Buddha is often smiling and has this very contented, corners of the mouth lifted smile that comes from being fully in the moment, fully in the body. I think about the sensation of a wave gently lapping against my legs. Or when I look up at the night sky and I see the stars and I see the contrast of the space between the stars mimicking the space between my thoughts. And seated meditation is a wonderful way to access this sacred pause. And what I want to share with you now are a few other ways that I notice help to drop me into the present moment in a way that feels inclusive rather than exclusive of my feminine nature. 
And so the first is beauty. Since I was a little girl, I have always known that beauty just drops me right into the present. And I had an experience recently where I spent a little more time, you know, I'm working from home like many of us are right now. And I had a a morning where I focused a little more time on my beauty ritual, adorning myself with makeup and curling my hair and listening to my favorite music. And I felt really filled up and really nourished and really embodied as a result of it. And later in the day, I was playing with a toy with my dog, Winnie. And when throwing the toy, I knocked over a picture frame. And what I said when that happened was, whoopsie. (laughs) And I was struck in that moment how usually around that time of the day, I feel tired and I feel cranky. And if that had happened, I probably would have shouted an expletive. But because my cup and my sensuality had been satisfied by the morning ritual of beauty, I felt so much more buoyant and so much able to be present and resilient and flexible with the ups and downs of the day due to my beauty practice. And in my Embodied Intelligence coaching program, you know, this is one of the things that we really focus on is in addition to the deep inner work of embodiment in our coaching sessions, is how do we bring that embodied awareness into your life, in your wardrobe, in your beauty rituals, in your skincare routine, and in your home, not just as a tool for pleasure, but as a tool for greater awareness, healing, and heart opening. And one really simple way that you can try this out is the next time you're putting on your body moisturizer. I have a little jar of Body Shop Body Butter with me here. And you know, there are so many times where we just, after a shower, just slap it on. And what I'd encourage you to do is use that as an opportunity to practice the experience of mindfulness. And so how I go about that is by slowly removing the cap and taking an inhale of the fragrance, feeling the lotion warm in my hands and my body temperature change the temperature of the lotion, and then putting it on my skin and where I notice I tend to focus is on my legs and arms. And that's true for a lot of people. We tend to moisturize the appendages, but miss the torso really don't know why that is, probably because those parts are most exposed. But what I like to do is I like to really focus on my tush and on my belly and on my breasts and give my whole body a really thorough rub down of this deliciously smelling body butter and make sure that every inch is tended and caressed and cared for. And so that's one way that you can start to use your beauty practices as not just a way to improve the condition of your skin, but to also be a bit of a beauty treatment for your mind. The second tool is based on a quote from, there's debate as to whether it was Mae West or Gypsy Rose Lee who said it first, it's probably neither of them, but it's the wisdom that anything worth doing is worth doing slowly. And so just the other morning I was making my bed and I was noticing how I often do this step on autopilot. 
And I would encourage you to think about a moment in your day where you tend to go on autopilot. And usually moments of transition, like when you're leaving the house or getting ready to leave the house, we tend to speed things up and we lose a lot of energy, ironically, when we go into overdrive like that. And as I was making my bed, I decided to use it as an opportunity for mindfulness by allowing my senses to be fully on board for the experience. So going that extra mile to fluff the pillows so that it was pleasing and delightful to my eyes and feeling the texture of the comforter as I laid it out over the bed and feeling that breeze that gets kicked up when you fluff the comforter and fluff the sheets and noticing Winnie hiding underneath the sheets and all these little details that usually go missed. And so you can try this in really any area of your life and your everyday experience. And it could be as simple as when you're on a Zoom call, slowing down to feel your breathing. When you are in a conversation, slowing down and adding a few deliberate pauses to your words. When you back out of your driveway, you know, usually when I'm backing out of my driveway, I tend to do so kind of mindlessly and just using those little pivot points as anchors for when you want to use your body to bring your full present moment attention into the experience through slowing down. And then the last tool I want to share with you, and this will probably be an episode all its own in the future, but is the art of using your senses to pray through everyday ritual. So ritual is a uniquely feminine art because it involves the marriage of the body with the elements to connect with the divine. Ritual is our body's language of origin when it comes to prayer and that divine present moment connection. And something I find in the morning is that, you know, for years and years, I have tried to make myself more disciplined about a morning ritual and sitting down and journaling and morning pages and all this other stuff. But what I find really works the best for me in terms of establishing that connection with something greater than myself in the morning is having these tried and true, reliable sensory imprints that connect me to my prayer. So what that looks like for me is I have this tiny altar on my kitchen table of a special candle that I got on a retreat with a dear friend, a card that I pull for that day. I'm particularly fond of the Mother Mary deck by Alana Fairchild. That'll be in the show notes for this episode. Um, A little angel totem special item. And I just pause and I pull a card in front of that altar and I light the candle to set my intention. And then I light a stick of incense. So every time I pass the kitchen table, which I do probably 50 times a day, there is my candle. I smell the incense and there is a reminder, a sensory imprint of that experience of conscious connection with the divine as it's expressed through me. And so I share that with you because ritual can sometimes feel really complicated and like you have to have a dragon heart string in order to do it. (laughs) If you're like me, if you're a perfectionist. And what I find more and more 
is that when I show up to ritual, the only things I really need are the truth in my heart and the sensitivity of my senses and the natural elements that are already available to me. And the last gem I'd love to offer you around meditation is actually a resource for seated meditation, because while all of these embodied practices are really essential and powerful, my truest understanding and experience of that lift of the ocean wave that we get when we get that momentary pause of the mind cheddar is really centered around my practice of seated meditation. And one of my favorite teachers is called Susan Piver. She's named Susan Piver. <laughs> she's not just called that. Um, and she's written several books about meditation and her experience of, of coming to Buddhist meditation as a woman. And one of my favorite books by her, how I first got introduced to her, was The Wisdom of a Broken Heart which is an especially significant read if you're going through any kind of heartbreak or loss, especially in the romantic arena, but really heartbreak of all kinds. The book is applicable, and so I highly recommend checking her out, Susan Piper. And before I leave you for today... I am experimenting with bringing back a feature, a little bonbon of dessert at the end of the episode called Swoon. And Swoon is where I feature a product or a teacher or something that has really assisted me in my embodied living, sensual living practice. Today's swoonable treasure has to do with the mindfulness technique that we talked about with beauty, and it is called the Kate McLeod Body Stone. I was first introduced to this by my friend Britta Plug, who's an esthetician, and it's basically a massage bar, like a really luxurious bar in the shape of a stone that is filled with deliciously nourishing and hydrating ingredients like coconut oil and shea butter, and it melts at the perfect speed with the temperature of your own body. So what you do is you take this stone and you slowly massage it into your skin, and it just gently melts into your skin. They have multiple aromas. Their daily stone has a rose kind of sandalwood, lightly, lightly floral aroma. Their sleep stone has relaxing aromas like vetiver, more woodsy scent. They also have a non-essential oil stone. And if you would like to experience the delight that is the Kate McLeod body stone, go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash stone to check it out. Thank you so much for listening today. I wish you all the luck and joy in your journey with mindfulness. See you next time. For more coaching, classes, and community in the art of sensual living, head to schoolofsensualliving.com. There you'll find a free course on how to reduce anxiety and increase your natural confidence through powerful embodied 
body language. Head to schoolofsensualliving.com slash confidence to get instant access to the course today.